0: Hello, 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 my loves. Welcome to another episode of TRP Recovery. It's your host, Nell Kyle, and I can't believe that I'm about to say that we are on season four, episode nine. That means the season is almost over, ladies and gentlemen. It blows my mind to see how far we've come along, but I'm so glad because that means we are really diving deep into topics that impact us on a day-to-day basis. It impacts our relationships, how we show up in the world. And I'm just so happy and proud that we're doing this together. So today's episode is very special. And I know I say this all the time, but I I promise you, it really is special. (laughs) And it's on the topic of vulnerability and manhood. And this is a topic that I really wanted to make sure that I got the perspective of obviously a man to really help define what that means to him. Obviously, he doesn't speak for every single man on the planet, but it is a really good perspective to hear and see what are some of the obstacles that men face in terms of really shedding that wall and really understanding why it's so important for them to go on their own healing journeys before we could ever even picture coming together as one. Um, And I really wanted to bring someone who I think does a phenomenal job in terms of tackling this topic because he's so in tune with his emotions and how he shows up in the world and how he operates. And that is Javon Wooden. Besides being a repeat offender on your peer recovery, I'm joking, I'm just joking, he's a treasured guest. Um, he is an army veteran and a certified mindset coach, and the founder of Live Not Load LLC. He has overcome so much in his life, adversity, depression, and PTSD, and in spite of that, he has earned multiple certifications and has been recognized throughout the coaching community and has an MBA from the University of Maryland, um, the Robert H. Smith Business School, and an MS in cybersecurity from Fordham University. And his mission is to empower others to increase their self-confidence, improve their perception of their own worth, and design their lives through a mindset shift from scarcity to abundance. And just based on things that I've seen, so if you haven't followed him on social media, make sure you do. That's at livenotloathe on Instagram. I believe his Facebook as well, but all that will be left in the description. Make sure to also you know, show him some love and go follow. Um, but this topic of vulnerability, you definitely don't want to miss it. It's something that's so essential in the discussion of wellness and mental health because it it truly is one of those things that unlocks that door to healing. And I think both men and women have a fair share um, just in terms of the obstacles that prohibit us from tapping into this kind of tool. So um, I'm really excited for Javon to join us and talk about what vulnerability looks like from the perspective of manhood. So as usual, I want you to sit back relax, grab your favorite cup of tea, and
1: let's get started.
0: Good morning, Javon. How are
1: you? Good morning, Nefkaya. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm excited. It's a beautiful day. And most importantly, I get to talk to you about something that has been plaguing my mind. And I know the minds of a lot of people in the audience, which are predominantly women, and understanding the male mind.
1: (laughs) Oh man, let's get into it. That is a good topic. So I'm looking forward to, to getting into it. I'm sure you know this episode will get a lot of feedback. So that's good.
0: I think so too. So before we dive in, give us a quick elevator pitch.
1: Sure. So I help high achievers design a life they don't need a vacation from. And that's that's really near and dear to my heart. And I do that with mindset transformation shifts.
0: I like that. I like that. Short and sweet and to the point. Yeah. So Let's do something a little different. Take us through like a brief journey of your life and what inspired you to start your brand.
1: So I'll just start with the what inspired me. You know, I've gone through a lot of adversity in my life. I grew up in an impoverished area, grew up in a polygamous household where my mom was wife, number two of two. Didn't really have a lot of male influences in my life coming up. You know, it was mostly distant people that you would see on TV. Um, I call them virtual mentors. Uh, So it was really uh, we're we're talking about this concept of maleness. It was really figuring out what maleness looked like for me. Uh, I had a a really low self-confidence, low self-esteem coming up because of that, because I was in an identity crisis. You know, I grew up in a Muslim household, but I didn't know if that aligned with who I was. Um, you know, it was just a lot of things going on throughout my mind. And at the age of 17, it came to a head With me getting arrested and facing seven years in prison for an assault and robbery charge, Uh, just trying to figure out how to change circumstances, how to put some more food on the table. I was tired of wearing the same two pairs of shoes for the whole school year, same couple pairs of pants and the same shirts rotating. So I was like, I got to do something about this. And that was the only path I had seen. Um, It wasn't until later that I realized that there are more options, but sometimes you can't see them when you're in the fight. And that's one of the things that sparked me to become a coach was a lot of people who are in the overwhelm, who are in the pain, who are stressed out, can't see it because when you're in that type of pain and that type of adversity it's hard to think rationally <laughs> so it's hard to see anything other than the big brick wall or the big monster that's in front of you so i help people slay that monster and let them realize that it's really that fear is projected outwardly and it looks a lot grander than what it really is
0: that is so so powerful and what i love that you said is the insecurity because of the the lack of guidance and there's so many of us Men and women included, who who come from backgrounds like this, and we don't realize that a lot of the actions that were playing out, the root of it is an insecurity. And yes. so I think that was super powerful that you said that.
1: Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: So based on all of that in your journey, how would you define manhood and masculinity now?
1: <laughs> so now, um, now I would describe manhood and masculinity. First of all, you know, when we hear those terms, we think of maleness, we think of characteristics, we think of strength, we think of, you know, being assertive, we think of confidence. But um, what I've realized is those things sound great, Uh, but we have to look at the other thing. I think true masculinity is actually being in touch with your femininity as well being able to show compassion, being able to show your love, expressing your emotions intelligently, um, listening to people to understand not to respond, understanding that you don't have to always problem solve and that that it's fine to get help. I think we need to add that on. I think that that's very important, especially now because we're seeing, we're hearing terms like toxic masculinity, but if we don't really know what masculinity is in the first place or we don't change the definition, so to speak, even if you look at Webster, it talks about maleness, you know, having the characteristics of male. But what are those characteristics? Um, and I truly feel that those characteristics need to include the softer side if we're if we're to really change the way the society is going now.
0: And I think that's super important and not just for men, but for women too. And I think where we struggle is sometimes we take on a lot of like the masculine characteristics as like a way to to calm the insecurity like you mentioned before, right? And so for both of us, we have to learn how to come to the middle and to be able to appreciate and take parts of each. And then mm-hmm. that is what makes you a well-rounded person, I would say.
1: Exactly. No, agreed. Uh, and uh, it's easier said than done uh, because you know we've we've had this whole concept of gender roles for a long time, and those have been skewed. Now in the in the new age, right? We've changed that. Women are now breadwinners and killing it, right, in, in society. Actually, Black women are absolutely crushing the world right now with, you know, being no top entrepreneurs, fastest growing small businesses, um, you know, the most educated demographic, right? So brothers Kings, come on, let's do, let's get it. <laughs> we got, we got to match that energy for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that, that brings me to the point of like, when we talk about coming to the middle, we need help, right? We need to understand what the middle looks like from our perspectives, because a lot of us are growing up. We don't grow up in uh both parents in the household, or maybe our grandmother raised us. There's so many dynamics that really need to be changed. And because of that, there needs to be, you know, it's a, a takes a village, literally, right? We have to try to find other people who can play those roles um, and be there and, and let us know like, yo, it's fine to not be okay as a man. It's fine to say i need help as a man. It's fine to tell your brother you love him. It's fine to, you know, express those emotions. Uh, and that's how that's where it starts in the black uh, the male community because for so long we didn't hear that. We heard, hey, suck it up. Push through. Right? Oh, man, you soft. Right? All these different things if you started expressing anything other than being assertive and being, you know, dominant. Uh, so, it's it's a lot to it. It's a lot that we need to really really change in a concerted effort.
0: Oh, yes. And may I add something on to that? I think both genders need empathy. Sure. Um, yes. We need to, to just put ourselves in one another's shoes for a moment. So like you just mentioned, a lot of times boys, when they're growing up, they are taught to suppress and shut down their emotions. And then we wonder why when they grow up and you're dating them or you're married to one and then It's like, why can't I get him to express any type of emotion? You have to go Mm -hmm. all the way back. Or it's the same thing with us as women from the male's perspective. It's like, why is she so emotional? Why is she so this? It's like, what happened back there for her to be exhibiting these behaviors? So if we can both understand that each of us have a story and that story resulted in those actions... I think we'd be way
1: more productive and
0: we'd have yeah, less of these yeah, fights on, you know, social media.
1: So Yeah. And, and that also brings up another point of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about what happened to you, you know, back then, the person who had that trauma, the person who's gone through that adversity or faced those different stripes, we have to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go get therapy. Right? I'm going to get some help because I don't want this impacting my relationships any longer. Um, And you can identify, once you can name it, so to speak, where it helps you deal with it, because now you can develop your coping mechanisms. Um, You know, you're aware of how it manifests itself in your life. You understand your triggers, all these different things. And by triggers, I say, like, if someone says a certain thing to you, it may get you on a defensive end, right? So all those different things, maybe you um, learn how your body responds when you're in that stress situation. So maybe your palms start sweating a little bit, maybe your eye twitches, you start to pay attention all those things and it allows you to grow and it allows you to not just cope with things but also to flourish in life oh
0: yes your biggest biggest weapon or tool is self-awareness
1: yes 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 indeed
0: so um like what are some myths that people assume that males experience
1: so i think that myths that people assume males experience there's there's a few of them um this there's this whole principle of confidence right? as a male Uh, being the leader um, of the household and all those other things. I think that people assume that means you know exactly what to do. And it does not. It does not imply that at all. There is no manual to this thing. You may have some, some insight, you know, have people that you can reach out to to tell you, but every situation for you and your family is going to be different, right? The dynamics are different. So that's one thing. The second thing is that that lends to that or is leaning on that is also those answers, having all the answers. You have to be at a problem, solve everything. That's a myth, right? Sometimes it's, it's better to just listen, right? If you're in a relationship, listening to your woman to see what her perspective what's her insight because chances are she's thought about this and she's probably has a lot of great insight that she can give you on how to make things better so listening uh you don't always have to be the one speaking or talking at someone listen to people have that conversation the third thing that I, comes to mind as myths for a male are this concept of strength Right, what strength looks like for a man. A lot of people think strength is, you know, the physical, defining, chiseled male. You know, all these other things. But the greatest strength is actually internal. You know, we mentioned the, this capability of empathy. And that's really uh, the, the biggest myth that men struggle with that. Men, are, men cannot be nurturing, right? The woman's role is the nurture and all these other things. Well, men have to be able to nurture too, um, you know, so that I think that that's one of the things that we need to cultivate a little more. Right. That that concept of nurturing and being, you know, on a soft side as we as we talked about earlier, you know, not being the stern role all the time for your kids, you know, letting them know you you love them and actually saying those words, right, saying that thing and and letting them know like they can come to you too to talk about their emotions and express themselves. And that goes for anyone you love. Uh, So those are some of the things that come to mind immediately
0: we mentioned a lot of things that we think could use some work in terms of like the image of maleness and masculinity. What are some areas that you're proud of?
1: I'm very proud of our progression. Uh, you know, we're starting to see more and more men um, really Come to terms with sharing their emotions, talking about who they are, um, being able to show we want another love on a, on a higher level, not just slapping each other up, like, yo, bro, I'm starting to see more men be like, yo, bro, you look good in that suit. You know, you're doing your thing. You know, being able to share those emotions, that's getting in touch with the feminine energy, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to do that and feeling comfortable doing that, not saying, oh, what, what, what's wrong with you? You know, stuff like that. We have to get away from that. Right. <laughs> there's there's beauty in being able to big one another up in that way and also seeing more men like I'm, I'm very proud of us you know, getting more in touch with that that malehood, that fatherhood figure, you know, thing, like becoming a community with it though. Like I'm seeing more and more groups where we're focusing on mentoring the, the youth, you know, going ahead and, and working with at-risk children, all those different things. So I'm proud of how we're starting to, to come together to really reestablish what community looks like. You know, our, you know, we've gone through centuries and centuries of the familial aspect being torn apart. So I would love seeing brothers coming together to rebuild that. And, you know, sharing information is another thing. We're starting to share information. We're starting to to build these co-ops, so to speak, where where people are in different fields and we come together and just, you know, Black Wall Street type of thing, (laughs) you know. So I'm I'm loving seeing all the movements. Uh, And then there's a movement where, you know, brothers just get together and they dress well and they take pictures. And it's like, it's, it's really dope. So things like that is just very empowering, very inspiring, very uplifting.
0: I love that. I love that. I have seen a lot of like really uplifting things on like social media, like, um like girl dads, and just like men who are yes. embracing fatherhood. And like, that is beautiful. I really think that this upcoming generation will have a different experience. And I hope that they do, you know,
1: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly.
0: So we touched on the gender wars, very briefly. But how do you think both sides can have some empathy for one another? Like, what does that look like practically? Like you mentioned active listening, for example. What are some other ways that people can start to look at one another in a more empathetic way so we don't have so many of these viral, you know, podcasters or influential figures who are just running amuck with some of these issues?
1: Yes. Well, that's, that's a uh, man, you know, I, I look at it like this um, and we talked about empathy. When we hear some of these things, we have to understand, first of all, everyone has their opinion, mm-hmm. um, but we also have to understand that everyone has their own experiences. So we don't necessarily know the whole story of where some of these perspectives are coming, but all we can do is listen, right? we we'll listen and then provide our input. You know, you have to come to these things sometimes blank so you can listen so you don't get upset when someone has a a perspective that's different than yours. So you can say maybe you can be the person that educates them or changes their their perspective, cause that paradigm shift. But it really takes being able to sit down and have a conversation, not arguing, having a conversation to say, okay, what is your let me understand where you're coming from on this. All right. Have you thought about it this way? Um, What about, you know, what, what caused you to feel that way? Like really having those in-depth conversations to really get that person that's speaking to cause them some introspection. So they can think like, hold on, let me think about this for a minute. Um, And we have to realize some people aren't going to listen, right? Some people are really stuck in their ways. They're going to think how they want to think and all those things. So it's not your, it's not your job to change that person. But it is, you know, our job to go ahead and provide a different perspective. So maybe we can turn a different light on in their minds and in their life.
0: That is such a quote. It is not your job to change anyone. It's just your job to listen to their perspective. Exactly. That's powerful.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Welcome. So (laughs) um, one question I have, how do you help your clients develop a mindset of resilience and self-love? Because we talk about, you know, Coming from you know, histories of lack, whether that's like attention from parents or just having that presence in your life, how do you help them overcome that in your program and then start to look at themselves with love and empathy? We talked about expelling that outwards, but how do we turn that inward?
1: Yes, and that is a powerful question. Uh, you know, when I think about my clients, I'm just thinking about some of some of whom I've I've served and um, you know worked with. I, I, I really look to find the root cause for why they feel the way they do about themselves. Um, and then once we find the root cause, we really do a lot of work on forgiving yourself for anything you cannot change. Uh, because when you can forgive yourself for the past, now you can come back to the present. It's a very, very hard to live where you are in this present moment. If you're constantly thinking about what you wish would have been different, right? Wishes, You can't, there's nothing you can do when you're saying, I wish I should have, it already happened. So now you can say, what can I do right. To change this from this point on. And if it was trauma, anything like that, someone had did something to you, whatever it was you have to, you, if, if I know it's hard, but you have to forgive that person too because you don't want to give that person power over you. You know, when you're constantly thinking about those moments, that moment now has a hold on you in some way, shape or form. So you have to do a lot of work and be honest about it. Like, well, okay, what could I have done? You know? Cause a lot of times you'll find that it's a lot of things <laughs> you're like, okay, I couldn't have really done much, especially if you were a child and something happened. Right. So you have to ask yourself that because I know from personal experiences, right. When, um, when I'm being in the military, there was a lot of times where I said, man, I wish I could have done that, And I caught myself one day recently. I was like, there was nothing I could do, right? (laughs) I'm saying I wish, can't change anything that happened. But also when I looked at the thing holistically, um, and a lot of times that's what we have to do. We have to do uh, an assessment. I I call it the after action report because that's what we call it in the military. Look at what happened afterwards when you're in that that state of mind, you're in a rational state of mind. Um, You're not in a frantic state. You're more in a calm state. Go ahead and assess everything that transpired about the moment you're thinking about and find out, okay, what are the lessons I've learned from that, right, that I can apply moving forward? And then, okay, what could I have done? If I wanted to change anything, what would it have been that I could have changed? And then, okay, write that down. And that's what we're doing. We're just doing a process to let you see that there was, you know, what you did was the best decision you made based on the information you had then. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. We could say, oh, I would have did this differently, but now you can apply that going forward. And you can forgive yourself because you can see that, okay, there was nothing I really could have done differently. I did what I thought I could do. Um, So that's that's one of the most powerful tools that we do. Another thing I like to do um, is is the self-contract, because that gets us in the state of valuing ourselves. A lot of us it's very easy for us to go ahead and discount our own. self. we make a promise. Well, I do it later and never do it. But when we promise our best friend something or someone we love, we're like holding to a wheel, damn near kill ourselves to do it. So that self-contract that I've created is to get us in the mind state to say, you are the most valuable person. You are the MVP of your life. Right. So we have to get that self in a state. And I always tell my clients to put that up on the wall because that's going to change your mind when you be like, oh, I wanted to do this goal. And I promised myself I would do this goal by this date. Um, and then we add a celebration piece and in, in a um, component. If you don't hit it, what do you do? Because um, I don't, I, I think that too often, you know, we as people, we beat ourselves up when we don't hit stuff. When we set a goal, we're like, man, you feel defeated. That's, that's not what it's meant for. A goal is really meant to give you purpose to give you direction. But it's really about the journey that you're taking in, in that situation along that journey um, and what you can pick up. That's really what life is. Because if you think about it, no matter if you came short, you're a lot further along than you were when you started. Um, so there's a lot of different things that that um I see in my clients, you know, a lot of a lot of it is overwhelm that that people just can't can't get over, they, they have something, whether it's fear, whether it's um, some pain, whether it's stress, uh, they just need that direction and to see, you know, that that monster, like I was talking about earlier, is really just a mouse, right? <laughs> it's really just a mouse and it does not want to hurt you at all. Um, so once you, once you see that, you're able to move forward and create an action plan for success.
0: That is so awesome. I do have a question though, because we talked about like the practical steps for forgiving yourself,
1: mm-hmm. but-
0: what does forgiveness look like for for people who have done significant damage to you? You know, mm-hmm. we, we hear it thrown around, just like forgive others because, you know, like it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to be impacted by it, which is true. Like as a, as a theory, you can understand it, but mm-hmm. applying it practically sometimes It feels good to hold on to grudges, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I get that. (laughs) that But it's not productive. You're right. Like, I agree with everything you said, but what does forgiving someone look like practically?
1: Well, I'll I'll say it from my perspective, right? Um, Because I I will tell you, I was very, very angry. All that that holding on to that grudge felt like was anger um, and, and pain. And for me, it was it was my father, my biological father, because um, I didn't know who he was. Um, and it felt it felt tough. Right. Uh, my father's locked up for for life in prison now. But um, I remember when I had. Uh, when I first tried to, like, get a relationship with him, um, he had came. He was going back and forth to Florida. My sister would be in contact with him. And this was after I realized that he was actually my dad as well. And I picked him up. And I picked him up. We, you know, I, we go to I stop at the gas station and SWAT team jumps out. Now, mind you, this is like probably like a few months after I got out of jail for uh, facing those seven years. So I thought they were I thought I violated my probation or something. But they were like, no, we don't want you. We want him. So I remember looking under the car like he was on the other side, the passenger side, looking under the car and looking at him. And he just shook his head like he knew. Right. He knew what was going on. I had no idea. And I remember getting in that interrogation room and they're asking me questions. And I literally just said, like, you know him better than I do. I'm just now trying to get excuse me. Yeah. Take
0: your so time. take your
1: time. So it feels like relief when you forgive. And when you can do that, it allows you to experience the beauty in life. And that beauty looks like compassion. That beauty looks like receiving love properly and being able to give love. So, when I was holding on to that, you know, as you can see, it still gets me emotional, but it's not an emotion of anger. It's an emotion of freedom because no matter what happened, you know, if you were sexually assaulted, I know that it is tough. It is tough to say, I forgive that person, but it's really it's really a part of forgiving you. Because when you forgive that person, again, you're saying that I could not change anything about that. That was not my, was not my doing. Because if you think about forgive, if you think about when someone does something to you, a lot of times you feel like you did it. It was your fault. And that's what that forgiveness allows you to see is that was not on you, right? If you have to forgive that person, that person did something to you, right? In some way, shape or form, we have to be able to see that from a clear vision, from a clear picture. And sometimes you just have to find out what would allow that process to be easier because it's going to look different for everyone. For me, it was poetry. Right. I, I got in touch with poetry. I started writing a lot. You know, that was my way. For some, it may be just going somewhere, maybe going into one of those rec rooms and just destroying stuff. You know, you just have to find out what looks better because healing is a journey it's not a destination so we have to realize that so it's an ongoing thing no matter what is transpiring in your life you have to understand that you still have life to live but in order to get agency over your life to not die when that thing happened to you you have to forgive
0: you, um, first and foremost thank you for that and for showing so much vulnerability i know that story is tough. Um, Got me a little emotional now. (laughs) But I think it's so powerful that you showed that side because there's so many people who have similar stories and they're just hearing it. Like I I struggle with fatherlessness and it's and it's a little different because like my father was in and out of my life. Mm -hmm. So there were some times where I wish that if he had just stayed away, it would have been a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. And Being in therapy, it helped me to understand this is why in terms of all my relationships, be it platonic or romantic, that it was always one, unstable. And then two, I was always backtracking. It's like one minute I want it, the next minute I don't. The one minute I want it, the next minute I don't. Why is because the same exact pattern that I was familiar with in my younger years, because that's what was shown to me. Yes. And um. I remember, um, I think it was like two years ago, not even know, I'm sorry, a year and a half ago. And I had a conversation with my father and I, I decided to meet up with him to have dinner and talking to him, I realized that the man who I remember as a child when I was super young, like around like maybe like three, six, seven-ish years old before all the tumultuous things happened, he's not there anymore you know, and coming to peace with that, it, it freed me. And to your point, you're able to look at him with compassion and understand that at one point, like looking over my father's story, he experienced so many different traumas over the course of his years and during pivotal moments of his development, where that was his teenage years and losing his mother when he was in his early twenties. And he was, um, he was a victim of police brutality You know, and then having children and a marriage on top of that, it's like I can barely take care of myself at this point, (laughs) you know, and I can (laughs) imagine, you know, also holding up a family. It doesn't excuse any of the abuse that was experienced by us at all, but I have a different perspective now and I can encompass the whole person and the whole experience. And who knows, you know, maybe one day that relationship will be healed and rekindled. Um, but I, what I will say is that I know I was healing with that wound when I prayed for him as mm. fiercely as I pray for other people in my family.
1: Man, that's,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that is powerful. And thank you for sharing your story, um, because that will help a lot of people as well. And that's one of the things, you know, when we talk about forgiveness, that is um, the power in it, um, being able to, you know, see that. But when we think about a lot of things that's, that's transpired, you know, a lot of people you touched on it. A lot of people do things out of trauma. You know, it's like, they don't do it really out of spite. They do it out of trauma. Like I, I know mine, mine used to manifest like I would in similar in relationships I will be like, oh, I'm good. You know, I will find the the smallest thing, smallest reason to, and it was a defense mechanism. I didn't want people to get close to me because I didn't want them to leave. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't want them to take a piece of my heart when they walked out the door. Mm -hmm. So I completely get that. So once you can understand, like we were talking about earlier, once you can understand how it manifests in your life and you can name it and understand when, pinpoint when that thing started doing that, when that moment happened, now we can start working on it. Now we can start building and understand what it would look like to change that perspective, to change your life, really, because that's what you're doing. Your life will start and it will begin when you forgive and when you allow yourself to move forward. That's, that's it. Because if not, you're going to keep doing this cycle. You're going to be good for a minute, then you're going to go back and regress. You're going to be good for it, and it's just going to keep happening until you let that thing go. And understand that it is something that happened to you, but it is not you.
0: Man, the quotes, okay, they're just a lot today. <laughs> so, we have just like two or three more questions. So, without revealing any identifiable information for your clients, do you have a story that can illustrate like the impact of your program in a client's life?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is one of my clients uh, who struggled with uh, PTSD, depression, you know, had trauma himself. Um, sexual trauma and all types of things that you know he had to come up through, and it really was impacting his marriage, his life as a whole. Like his marriage was falling apart. Um, he couldn't really communicate well. Um, you know, we had a, a child with some some difficulties, um, some developmental disabilities, and it was just a lot for him. Um, and he would always feel like it was his fault. Everything you know, he's like, my child has this because of me, you know, if I would have just never had kids, you know, all these different thoughts. Um, he blamed himself for everything because of his childhood, because of what happened. Uh, and he just had so much anger to the person who sexually assaulted him, to the person who was abusing him, because that was supposed to be a person who loved him. So he, he really um, had this guard up when it came to love. Like he was, of course, you know, he had family, had kids, he had a wife. But it was never really enjoyable for him. He just was like, "Man, this is what I was supposed to do. This is what I was told. No, this is what society told me love and joy look like." Um, but he never felt that. He actually felt the opposite. He felt obligated, so he felt pain. Um, so we worked through that. We gave. Uh, we did a lot of work, a lot of exercise. Um, you know, I'm no therapist. I will. I will say that. So. I don't really, you know, one I, I got him to start seeing a therapist, okay. right? Um so that's one first and foremost. But before that point, I had to get him from being stuck in the past, right? I, we had to bring him to the present moment and we had to we literally had to write out everything he thought his strengths were. We did a strengths assessment. And we in a strengths assessment for me is not just about what you're good at. It's about what also brings you joy. Right. What lights you up? Because that makes you stronger when you're lit up and you're in that joy state. So we wrote all of that out and then we wrote his irrational thoughts. What happened when that that rational thought came? How did you respond? How would you like to have responded? All those things. So we did like a a, it's called the ABCDF journaling exercise. So we did some of that. So we just really um, I, I really focus on identifying what can be tailored for my clients. Um, and for him, it was really about the, the mindset and that doing that work to forgive himself, but also to realize that he has overcome so much to be where he is now. So he was unable to see all of that he did, right? Being successful, having a good job and all that stuff, although all that was weighing on him. So one of the things that he was doing was what ifs. You know what ifs. So we work to change that sentence stem instead of something negative on the end to something positive. What if it does work out? So you know all those things just causing that that paradigm shift. Uh, because when I talk about abundant mindset, that I'm talking about lifestyle. Um, not just like, oh, it's mental and I just, you know, something bad happens. I'm like, oh, yeah, so what? You know, I'm good. No, that's that's toxic positivity. But we're not talking about that. I'm talking about realizing and being realistic about everything. But it's, it's really how when you process it, I love for my clients to put an interrupt between the whatever happened, the circumstance, the emotion, the thought, and then being able to respond, not react. And that's where we got him to get from that primitive brain where he was just reacting, whatever happened. You know, if somebody says something he didn't like, he just flies off the rails. We got him to really take a breath to really process what was taking place and then to if he didn't understand something or didn't have all the information to ask questions like this is what I heard you say. Is that correct? You know, mirroring techniques just taught him a lot of um, effective communication techniques so he can express his emotions a lot better instead of getting angry because he couldn't express them. Um, You know, processing his thoughts better, the rationalization of what was transpiring, what happened, you know, all these different works. And now, you know, his family, is it's marriage, they're actually gonna renew their vows. Um, you know, he has his kids, he's found, out, found some help for his, his kid that had the developmental disabilities. He had a new job where he's making more than he ever thought he could. He's moved to another location. So he's done a lot um, over the course. We've, we've been working for about three months. And so he, yeah, he's done a lot of work um, these three months. So um, that that comes to mind immediately for me.
0: That is amazing, Javon. Like I was gonna like think you were gonna say like six months a year, and you said three
1: months. Three months. months. We've done
0: three months. That is a testament to how impactful and effective that program is. So, if I have any male listeners, you might want to reach out to Javon.
1: Women too, as well, uh, because. Yeah, because the mindset is, is it affects Same. everyone. I said, so um, that, that is all like the internal work. We all need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all need that. Man. And, and, uh, you know, I'll give an example of a, a, a woman, a female client that I had. Uh, she was again, married. Um, so she's mid, mid forties and her and her husband, they had lost, they lost a couple people during COVID. Um, and it completely changed the dynamic of their relationship. They lost uh, their child, their son. They lost, he lost his brother. And then he, uh, she lost, I think it was her mother. Uh, and that they just could not, their communication was messed up. They had never, and what we realized was the root cause was they never processed it. They just tried to keep working, keep working. He owned a, like a, a business, and she had taken a sabbatical. She she stopped working for a while um, and just started working in his business. But we we really helped to really build and help them process first, like literally let them cry, you know, do all these things and process the grief and gave them some tools to, to of grieving. Like, how do you grieve? You know, what does that look like for um, high achievers, people who are driven individuals, people who haven't learned to express their emotions? So we did a lot of work with that. Uh, and they are able to come together now. His business is doing very, very well now. Um, he he was in the, the real estate Um, industry so as a developer so he was able to get uh, some key contracts they were stressing about money too but because he couldn't focus he was unable to establish new relationships Um, so it was just really about getting that communication with them and having them instead of speaking with the accusatory tones speaking with the understanding tones and softening their voices and everything talking conversationally and then setting boundaries uh, because one person you know they wanted to just understand it right now. They wanted to get to it and the other person needed some time. Um, so we just set a time, like, how, okay, no more than an hour, whatever works for you, something like that. So then after he processed it, now they can come together and actually have a, a solid conversation, not an argument. So things like that. And it just really has propelled their relationship to new heights.
0: That's really exciting because a lot of times most people do not know how to, I won't say argue, but just have, really good tools in order to handle conflict. For sure. And and that is such a thing that can deteriorate relationships so so quickly.
1: Yeah. That accusatory accusatory language will will really put people on the defensive and then no one's hearing anyone.
0: Oh yeah. I'm aware of people (laughs) like this. I've been that person. So I'm going to give grace too. So but I guess once you get to like the other side of healing, it's just like Man, like, if only you knew, it's like, you don't have to do all (laughs) that. Right. (laughs) My God. So we are coming to an end. What are three tips that you would give to your listeners or to my listeners who may be struggling, (laughs) but don't have traditional therapy or even a life coach like yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I would say um, identify support system. You know, identify a few people that you can go to and you can confide in. Find your 360 support. Um, 360 support is having people who encourage you, who inspire you, who uplift you, but also who you can share when you're not feeling any of those, right? So mm-hmm. just having those people, um, whatever form that is for you. Uh, two is believing in yourself, uh, understanding that you do have the power to change your life is not just a cliche. You literally, but you have to start living. And in order to start living you have to start taking action and to take action you have to believe that things can change uh so that's my second one the third one will be have patience have patience because patience will allow you to understand things will not always happen on the time you want it to right? Preaching. things will also <laughs> right but when, when you patient it it allows you to calm down from the frustration and the anger you're feeling it allows you to take that breath and say okay What can I do to change things right now? You know, what actions can I take? What two actions, two, three actions I can take immediately to get closer to that goal that I have? So that's the three I would have.
0: Very powerful, very succinct. And like I said, impactful. Um, So I do this closing exercise with all of my guests. So I'm going to have you close your eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself in a space or a place where you feel the most at peace. And it could be anywhere in the world with anyone. And while you're there, you're sipping your favorite beverage. And as you're in this peaceful environment, you are just going over your life and thinking about all of the things that have come to deter you, disappoint you, and just crush you. But nevertheless, you rose up and you overcame. What is one scripture, a quote from a book, or a favorite song that can encapsulate that feeling for you?
1: Mm, that is, uh, mine is "Don't worry, be happy." <laughs> I used to sing that to my mother. um You know, whenever she would have a hard day, mm-hmm. so that's what comes up. So that's that's my 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 quote for today.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Devon. This was a really good conversation, and I know it's going to impact anyone—women, men—if you are struggling and holding on to things in the past, just understand how much lighter you will feel, how much more productive you will be, and yes. just how free you will become once you decide to let that go.
1: Yes, indeed. I love it. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your platform with me. Um, you are truly doing great work, Queen. Uh, and I just let me know how I can support in your journey.
0: Absolutely, thank you. And before we log off, let the audience know how they can contact you if they're interested in your
1: program. Yes. So on social media at Live Not that's L-I-V-E-N-O-T-L-O-A-T-H-E. Just send me a DM on any of the platforms. You can also go to livenotlove.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Um, and that's how you can connect with me. Shoot me an email after you do. <laughs>
0: yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey there, it's your host Nell Kyle of the TRP Recovery Podcast. Were you unable to join us for the first annual TRP Recovery Mental Health and Wellness Summit? No worries. You can now catch the replay exclusively on www.therapyrecovery.com. So while exclusive clips will be made available on our YouTube page, just remember you can't catch the full episode without signing up to be a TR Golden member. Once again, for more information, go ahead and visit www.tripperecovery.com. And always remember, you are worthy, you are blessed, and you are loved. Until next time.